What's up, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock. And before we get started with today's podcast, just wanted to take this opportunity to remind you to please follow us on Facebook at Ply and the Moldog. That's P-L-Y-A-N-D-T-H-E-D-A-W-G, Ply and the Moldog. You can also find our live video game show most nights of the week at Plyrock Gamer on Facebook. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Plyrock Gamer, P-L-Y-R-O-C-K-G-A-M-E-R. We appreciate all the support. We'd love it if you dropped us some feedback, a subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much and enjoy. Meeting at the intersection of entertainment and knowledge, of greatness and destiny, comes the greatest sports video game movie podcast on today. Please welcome in your hosts, Plyrock and Mitch the Moldaw. We got a lot to talk about today on the video game side of things. What's going on, Moldog? How are you, man? Oh, I am hanging in there with all things considered. I am looking forward to uh, talking about running around and shooting some people. Yeah, (laughs) well, I'm glad you haven't lost control, my friend. Speaking of control, I was able to get my hands on a game I really wanted to play last year, which was a Game of the Year contender for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC it was a game called Control, and Moldog, I think you had a chance to tune in for some of this uh, broadcast we did on Facebook Gaming uh, a few nights ago. What were Before I get into my review of it, when you were watching Control, what did you think, dude? Well, I came into the stream, and again, as a bit of a layperson in this, I thought it brought me in very quickly. Like, I was not bored. I was, like, into this. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I was trying to follow it. And and listening to you, you know, your commentary as you were going along, uh, I thought was very enticing, too, because I was kind of playing along with you remotely, if you will. But the thing that popped out to me, first and foremost, was I was real interested because I thought one of the scenes looked very, very similar to uh, the movie Angel is Fallen in that building you were in where it kind of looked like the hospital they were in there during one of the big fight scenes at the end, and that really kind of brought me in a little more. I, re- I really liked it, what I watched, and I thought your commentary was, uh, as usual, the highlight of the show. Oh, thanks, man. So that's cool, dude. Control is a <clears throat> horror-slash-science-fiction third-person game that was developed by 505 Studios, an unbelievable uh, video game studio. And it's basically the synopsis of the game is you are a character uh, in the game uh, played by an actress named Courtney Hope. And it is um, she's a a news reporter and I'm about six hours into the game. She plays a news reporter named Jesse who uh, shows up at a government building, a United States government building called the the Federal Bureau of Control. And uh, she's she's looking for her brother slash trying to break a story on what's really going on inside this building. So that's where the game starts. And being about six hours into it, I'm going to stay as spoiler free as possible. There's going to be mild spoilers while we while I talk about this. But uh, basically, when she shows up, it's it's weird. This is like a giant open world 
type game with uh, fast travel and um, uh, lots of areas to explore. Moldog, do you know what fast travel is in a video game before I keep going? I do not. Educate me. Okay, so let me give you the definitions of open world and let me give you the definition of fast travel so you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. So an open world type game is not a game that is linear, essentially. A game that is linear will take you on a directed path and tell a story throughout the game. There's not much area to explore outside of the middle lane. So think of like a bowling alley. You're bowling down one, you're hitting the pins down one alley, right? Oh, now you're talking my language. I know, because you're a big uh, Flintstones bowler. So that's a linear game. So a linear game would be like Call of Duty's uh, single player story campaign. It's a four hour story. It takes you level to level. You pretty much have a predetermined route and path. You're not really making any decisions. You're just, uh, you know, you're handling an objective. You're moving forward with the soldiers. There's a cutscene. Something exciting happens. You keep moving. So if you play the game again, it's essentially the same experience. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, so an open world game, more along the lines of, and I'm going to give our audience a few examples, uh, Red Dead Redemption, or uh, to a little bit lesser of extent, Control, is a game where you have the ability to pretty much go almost wherever you want in the game. So in this particular case, this building, even though on the outside it looks just like an office building, there are tons of different areas to this building that you can go back and forth from where there's side missions and different characters and different things to explore and, and things to do. And you don't necessarily have to stay on this predetermined path to just tell the story and wrap up the game. So every time you play through it, it it's probably going to give you a different experience. Okay? So with that being said, fast travel, because these open worlds are so big... Uh, there are points that you can get to in the game, certain safe rooms or other areas that you can, instead of having to walk another 10 minutes to the other side of the building or downstairs to the maintenance department or wherever you're going, you can select a button, click fast travel, I want to go to maintenance, the screen will load and you'll be at that other area that you have selected. So that's fast travel and open world. So in control, she shows up there. And the game starts out like a, it looks like clearly something's happened in this office building. It's got a little bit of a creepy X-Files horror vibe going to it like right away. And the graphics are absolutely beautiful, guys, by the way. The, vo the facial capture of these actors and actresses is amazing. The work they did is amazing. You can see the emotion coming out of these actors' eyes as they are speaking uh, their lines of dialogue. So she shows up at this building. Um, she's You don't really know what's going on right off the jump, although I, I'm starting to get an idea now. Something, something demonic has been let out by the Federal Bureau of Control. Isn't it always a scientist or a government agency or an evil corporation that's dicking around with something they shouldn't be dicking around with and something gets out? Or they, they, there's an unintended consequence. So this whole building is on lockdown. And nothing's getting in or out. And Jesse is trying to find break the big story. And for some reason keeps mentioning her brother. 
uh, while she's there. Um, so that's the synopsis of the story. Um, you do get special powers. Jesse is a special human being, as you learn about as you go through. And she almost has like, she's almost like a Jedi or a Sith Lord sometimes with her ability to move objects with her mind and some other things that she does. But the combat feels so good. It feels so smooth. It's so cool being able to shoot a monster in the face. And then while that monster is reeling backwards to be able to pull a fire extinguisher off the wall to your left with your force powers, grab the fire extinguisher and then launch it at their head and knock them out. Uh, it's very smooth. The controls are very tight. Jesse moves very well. She's not clunky at all when she's running around or moving, which I like a lot of sometimes with third person games. Uh, the the character models uh, as the as the uh, computer or as the processor figures out the different animations to use as you're moving around the the characters can feel a little clunky. She's very smooth, so they did a great job there. And the story as it goes, it's so effing weird, but it's so like enthralling as you're going through this Muldog. There's even like this guy who I'm not a hundred percent certain how he fits into the story yet. I know he's like a higher up in the Federal Bureau of Control. And I know that he's kind of like, I think he's in the very beginning of the game, they kind of allude that he's dead, but he's still talking to you somehow. And he reminds me, I don't even remember the X-Files. He reminds me of the smoking man. Do you remember the guy who's just a smoke? Well, that was, that was the picture you were painting. I was a big X-Files fan. And you, you actually brought two things together there when you mentioned the smoking man, but you also mentioned that uh, a daughter or a son or something. And if you remember, always back, Mulder always had that flashback or that thing about his sister. Yeah, and wasn't he looking man. for his sister yeah, or something? Yeah, he was always kind of looking for his sister. And the backdrop always was that smoking man may have taken the sister in this, you know, through the flashbacks. And, you know, X-Files went on for a number of seasons, and they developed it very slowly. But there are a lot of similarities there, and that is the the story. But just listening to your kind of technical speak about the shooting and the movements, and I kind of get into that, and I sometimes get lost in the uh, podcast just kind of listening to you on that stuff because I'm really trying to pick up on that and being a little more in tune to that. But the story does have an X-Files kind of slant to it when you put it that way, and Smoking Man and Mulder's sister kind of plays into that. It does, really. It, like, sometimes the Smoking Man shows up. Well, in this particular case, he's he's not necessarily the Smoking Man. He's, I think his name is Trench, but he uh, he shows up and he is smoking and he is like a silhouette in the in the camera screen while you're walking, kind of like the smoking man would show up in X Files. Clearly, the developers had a uh, affinity for the X Files when they made this game. They also kind of you can kind of feel like a Stranger Things vibe to it too. So there's kind of like uh, I, I don't know you I know you only watched the first season of Stranger Things, correct? That is correct. So do you remember the upside down? The upside down was that other side of the world, like that yes, other dimension. Yes, okay. Yes. So there's clearly something going on in like another dimension or some type of upside down that is affecting this Federal Bureau of Control that is slanting or destroying reality as well. So 
there's these things that you find in the game called objects of power. And they are like, they could be like a radio that was somewhere or a horse carousel seat that some kid, some special kid sat on. And these things give Jesse uh, new abilities and new powers as she unlocks the mystery to these objects of power. So it clearly has a vibe to it that is uh, x files and Stranger Things. And the story really sucks you in. But a lot of times a game will we'll do something very well and uh, have shortcomings on the other end. So a lot of times the story could be really enthralling, but the gameplay sucks. And if the gameplay doesn't hook you in, a gamer is not going to stay generally no matter how good the story is. And vice versa, something with really good gameplay will keep a gamer around longer because it's funner to play. But if there's really not a some meat to the bones, unless it's a multiplayer game that they can play with their friends and stuff, if it's a single-player experience and the story completely sucks, we're not going to be interested in finishing the story. So the fact that they were able to meld these two worlds together and put together something, which so far, I'm not done with it yet, by the way. I'm, I'm comfortable enough to review it, and we are going to finish it live on the show because it's so good. Um, but I am comfortable reviewing it at this point because I've got a good five or six hours into the campaign. I don't even feel like I've scratched the surface of what's going on and the mysteries going on inside this office building. It's uh, it's just it's just really good, dude. I highly recommend it to anybody who has not picked it up yet. It is available on PlayStation Now streaming service as well as Xbox Game Pass for everybody. You do not have to drop $60 on this in order to play it. It's also available on PC, although I do not know if it's available on any streaming service on PC. I was playing it on the PlayStation 4 Pro, so that's the perspective I can give you in terms of graphics and controlling. Um, haha, no pun intended. So, But I highly recommend it. You can definitely pick it up on one of these streaming services to download to your PC or your Xbox or your PlayStation. If you love horror games, if you love science fiction games, if you want a really good, what seems to be 15 to 20 hour story with tons of side missions and exploration and crazy characters. There's this janitor in the game. He's like off his effing rocker, dude, but he's awesome. <laughs> like... There's so many cool things going on in this game, and hats off to 505 Studios for really creating a world that is so enthralling. Like, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I tried this on a whim. I was like, I heard about this last year. It's supposed to be really good. We got a few days to kill before we get into our big titles coming up this week. Let me try it on the show before we get to the games we're going to talk about later. And I'm just totally hooked, dude. I'm like, well, we got to clear some effing schedule because I'm finishing this shit. <laughs> you know, like, it's totally taken over. One final note on Control is James McCaffrey is a voice in Control. For those of you who don't know or who maybe are not necessarily yet fully aware of Plyrock and the things he loves, he loves a few things in life. He loves Doom. He loves War of the Roses, which if you listened to the last podcast, you would have figured that out. And he loves Max Payne. Max Payne, one of his favorite video game characters of all time. And James McCaffrey, who shows up in the game Control, was the voice of Max Payne. 
totally blew my mind when I learned that. Well, you <laughs> left you left one thing out. Sure. Deconstructed sushi bowls, which you eat every chance you get at lunchtime at that place uh, next oh, to Joy your Bowl. yeah next Joy year Bowl. next year nine to five. Joy Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually slowed down on those because uh, no matter what combination of toppings I seem to point put on that poke bowl. 20 minutes later, <laughs> I could power a spaceship. So I've been... A Japanese bullet train, if you will. Holy crap. No pun intended. So that's Control, guys. Make sure you check that out. It's good. It's a really good game. Last year's title, you can pick it up at a discount or even get it on one of the streaming services. Now, the other big news to come out this week, well, there's a bunch of big news to come out this week in the video game world, but we're going to cover four things today. We already covered Control. Call of Duty Warzone, Moldog. We talked about this last week, the big battle royale from Call of Duty. Uh, just dropped early because of the circumstances going on around the world where a lot of people are finding, unfortunately, a little bit more time to be home and catching up on their video game libraries. Uh, Call of Duty dropped the Solos uh game mode for uh their battle royale warzone early so now that you can play teams of three and you can play a solo match which means no every man for himself on a 150 man map uh i did get my hands on the solos a little bit um it is a nice break to not have to play with other people don't get mad at me when i say that <laughs> it is nice to be able to be in control of your own destiny I do find playing solos a little bit easier for me to finish uh, higher up in the food chain as opposed to being carried by some of my unbelievable teammates. Shout out to Chef from Rally Point Gaming, who's just nasty at Call of Duty. Um, it's good, man. It's good. I hope they add duos soon. Uh, they, they patched the game. They fixed up some of the bugs. Uh, they fixed one of the issues where people were able to uh, keep respawning themselves in the storm. Uh, so they would stay out in the circle and respawn their teammates and themselves out in the storm. So they fixed that. So that cheating kind of stopped. Uh, they added, like I said, the solos. They tweaked some other things. The game runs smooth, and it's free. If you're not playing Call of Duty Warzone, I don't know how long we need to dwell on this or what I need to tell you. If you like Call of Duty, you should be playing Warzone. Even if you don't own Modern Warfare, they did a great job on this Battle Royal. Well, let me so, ask Let me ask you this, Ply. And, uh, sure. You are probably going to slap my hand and put me in some type of timeout. Yeah, already but, slapped. Yeah, but I have to I have to give you what, you know, the people I run run across in in the market as I try to do some research on some of these things and I've talked to a number of people and you know, it may not be the biggest sample size, but the uh the theme was pretty consistent. How come a number of people who I somewhat trust their you know, video game knowledge, if you will, have told me, Call of Duty. Yeah, I mean, 10 years ago I was playing that, but I don't touch that now. What it, What does that mean? Well, the people, well, first of all, let me ask you this one question. The people who you asked, uh, could you give me a relative age sampling of who you're asking? Mid-20s. Mid-20s, okay. So a lot of people by their mid-20s, not everybody, but a substantial amount of people will change their gaming habits from when they're a teenager to when they hit their 20s. So I told you earlier when we talked about Call of Duty that I used to play it a lot when I was younger. 
And I moved on to other games, if you remember correctly from one of our other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, my life changed. I'm no longer a single guy living in my own apartment with my dog laying next to me in a case of beer where I could play that game for eight hours at a time and run up my stats. Well, that's kind of what your studio looks like, though. There's a dog, there's a case of beer, and there's never a woman in there. So how's that different? (laughs) Well, the difference (laughs) is, at a moment's notice, I could be attacked (laughs) from above. So, (laughs) Whereas before, I was completely safe in my bunker. Understood. (laughs) But uh, the point is, life circumstances change and interests change. And generally, the things I was interested in when I was 15 to 20 years old was kicking ass and taking names with my friends on call of duty. Uh, it was the, it was the biggest of the limited options we had when we were younger. Okay. So the video game industry has grown leaps and bounds, even in the past 10 years with new genres, new systems, new ways to play, uh, just, just all new entertainment options where, it's no longer just, okay, Call of Duty's the big boy, and then there's everything else trying to be the big boy. There are now lots of other big boys, and they do lots of other things. So, it's not... Underst- it's n- First of all, Call of Duty this year was specifically designed to bring in new players, which we really didn't do a Call of Duty review because we weren't doing a podcast at that time when it came out. But this year's Call of Duty was a reboot of the Call of Duty from 10 years ago, which is why you said they haven't played it in 10 years, where they were trying to reintroduce Call of Duty to a new uh, generation because they gotta they got to create new fans because older fans drop off over time. So this Call of Duty was kind of designed for new players and not for the hardcores who have stuck around all those years. So I hope that sort of answers your question. It does. Where times change, entertainment options go up, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, hell, 15 years ago, we were all on MySpace. Now nobody even knows what my, the new generation doesn't even know what MySpace is. So just things, 10 years ago, who shopped on Amazon? You know, so uh, Call of Duty works hard every year to stay relevant. Uh, and obviously with the money numbers I told you last week, uh, they have been done a very good job. Some stats on Call of Duty Warzone, by the way, guys, to give you guys some perspective. Apex Legends and Fortnite Battle Royale were the other two Battle Royales that we talked about last week when we talked about Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, Apex Legends being the second place, uh, after the first day, two and a half million people, unique players, had downloaded and played Apex Legends. So in the first 24 hours, two and a half million people had played it. Within three days, 10 million people unique people had downloaded apex legends and played it uh to give you some perspective i don't have one in three day numbers for fortnite battle royale but within the first two weeks that fortnite was out which is the current sort of battle royale champion within two weeks 10 million unique people had played that game and were downloading it and playing it um call of duty within three days is at 15 million players Call of Duty Warzone. So it has already passed Apex Legends by 5 million players and it has already done in three days what it took Fortnite two weeks to do with unique players downloading and playing the game. So Call of Duty out of the gate has broken the record for most unique players within the first few days 
playing a battle royale game. So to give you some perspective, it's off to an extremely strong start. I still stand by my statement. I don't know how relevant uh, some of this is going to be in six months because every video game company is pushing hard to create their battle royale. Um, there are going to be new games that come out. Uh, the, the, I, I think a lot of people get excited that this next big thing is the big thing. Um, but I lived through the Fort, uh, the uh, Guitar Hero era of PlayStation 2, and everybody thought music games were going to be the big thing forever. And within five years, that tapered off, and everybody has plastic guitars and drums and shit all over their house that they're still trying to sell on eBay. So I still don't see this being the granddaddy of them all that, that takes Fortnite off its, off its uh, proverbial throne. But I do see it having some staying power, and I do see the fact that they put out a quality product. I just don't think they're going to update it for a very long time like they do every year. They move on to the next Call of Duty. So good news for Call of Duty players. Good news for Battle Royale players. You guys got options now. You're having a good time. The solo mode is awesome. The game is free. Download it and try it. You guys won't be disappointed if you like it. It's a good time. Well, let me just chime in again on because I, I really get enthralled when you start to talk about some of these numbers and I try to do some of the business side of it in my head. Um, just kind of dovetailing on one of your points there. It doesn't have to take over the world for five years. With these numbers you're talking about, it's got to take over the world for nine months. And the return on investment has been met. And on to the next thing. I mean, if these play, if these games are doing these numbers, and obviously they are because you have them in front of you, you know, they, they don't have to own the world for 10 years. I mean, make, make your hay when the sun's up, and these are very successful ventures. I mean, these numbers are incredible to me. Yeah, no, no, no. I, what I, I, when I, let me, let me uh, just make sure I'm clear on the point I'm trying to make. This is absolutely a successful game, and Activision is going to make a ton of money off it, and people are going to enjoy it. Just sometimes gamers in the internet get into this like mode where like, this is it, man. This is the one. This is the this is the Halo killer. Like Killzone used to be back in the PlayStation days. This the hype is real, dude. Fortnite is done, bro. Like they they'll kind of latch on to like this. The Fortnite's not done. Hate to break it to you. Ten-year-olds are not moving over to Call of Duty Warzone. They're still enthralled with Fortnite. They're still they're still stealing their parents' credit card numbers to buy shit off of Fortnite. <laughs> like, like, it's not going away. Uh, Fortnite has two years up on the competition in terms of experience. Fortnite's a development team is dedicated to introducing new things constantly to the game. Uh, while keeping the core game itself true to what it was originally created to be. Call of Duty will eventually, in the next like six to nine months, like I said, move on to the next Call of Duty, which is what Infinity Ward is going to have to do. So Warzone itself as a game. Now, the next Call of Duty might have a Battle Royale in it. It will not be Call of Duty Warzone. I just mean specifically this one particular game is not going to be the Fortnite killer. That was my point I was trying to make. But absolutely, Activision is right now sitting in the vault like Scrooge McDuck, swimming around with all those microtransactions and things going, we made a smart business decision. 
and Infinity Ward put out an unbelievably quality project that I hope they stay dedicated to for a while. And I understand that the industry might force them to move on and cut the legs out from under Warzone before they should be cut out because they created such a quality project. It might even be smart for Infinity Ward to move on and create another um, work on their next Call of Duty. They have the few years to do. And maybe Activision can put together some type of development team to stay with Warzone and to update it and to change it and to update the map and put in new guns and new skins and all those things because people have had such a positive reaction to this game. Maybe there's a little bit of a change in course, which I hope for Warzone fans that is the case. I just from past experience don't see that. So that was my initial take on it. That was my analysis. I got you. So it sounds to me, though, that at times some of these games can come out and kind of step on, you know, for lack of a better term, step on the version before it and maybe not maximize the run of the version before it. I mean, again, speaking as a bit of a layperson here, does that happen? Do they sometimes cannibalize their own product? Is that a thing? They will. There's two things that can happen. Activision has made this mistake in the past. So the one of the things they'll do, like you just said, they'll 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 cut the legs out from because they they're going to get out the next one right so without maximizing the profit and the the love that the the goodwill they've built up with this one they're like oh wow the the you know call of duty warzone is so good we got to get development right away for call of duty warzone 2 and then they kind of leave call of duty warzone behind and they do call of duty warzone 2 and instead of just staying where they were and, you know, slowly rolling out updates over time to keep people interested, they spend all this time and energy developing a whole new product, essentially, when they could have stayed where they were within the confines and the comfort zone of the engine that they're working with, like video game wise, and they could have kept people happy forever with a lower cost on maintenance and up upgrades as opposed to a whole new capital capital investment into a whole new product built from the ground up. So, but I don't think they're going to do that because Activision doesn't have a history of sticking around. They have a history of, well, well shit, we get, that was good. Let's, let's get the next big one out. They also did this with Guitar Hero, where Guitar Hero was such a giant hit back in the uh, PlayStation 2 and a little bit of PlayStation 3 era, that instead of adding, and I know that the formats were a little different, PlayStation 2 was an older system, so it wasn't quite as available to do these things. Instead of updating the game and creating like expansion packs for it, especially, let's talk on the PlayStation 3 side, which that was available to do. The PlayStation 2 side was, you know, you put the disc in, that's what you got. But on the PlayStation 3 side, they were they were they were pumping out so many music games. There was Guitar Hero, then there was DJ Hero, then there was Guitar Hero 2, Guitar Hero 3, Guitar Hero World Tour, Guitar Hero ACDC, Guitar Hero Metallica. Like they just were like boom 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 boom. And in order to play these games, you had to you had to buy all these different discs. And then in order to, like, if you wanted to play a Metallica song, you had to put in the Guitar Hero Metallica game and boot it up. 
and then take that back out because you wanted to play Hell's Bells by ACDC. So you had instead of having all these songs in one spot and, you know, one guitar that worked with all of them, they were like, no, we're going to sell you the newest guitar. This new this newest guitar has one new button on it. Buy this new guitar. Buy this new game. And eventually, with Rock Band and Guitar Hero and DJ Hero and all this crap that they threw out there, they killed the music. They killed the music uh, genre for video games. It flooded the market. They flooded their own market. They competed against themselves to sell copies, and they destroyed the music. Uh, the music portion of video games. Rarely do you see a video game now. They tried to reboot it a couple of years ago with the new Guitar Hero and the new Rock Band. They failed miserably. They were on clearance at Best Buy within a few months. Like, they're not. People are done. They killed them with that. You know what I mean? Okay. Does that, that make sense? sense? That makes that makes perfect sense. Didn't give, didn't give something time to breathe and eventually suffocated it. No, it's like, wow, that game yep. was such a hit. Let's get the next one out the door right away. Like, let's maximize. I'd rather have you, you know, they... Their thought process is we'd rather have you spend 60 bucks every six months with us than and do it two or three times. You know, we'll get that $180 in our pocket or whatever it is. But instead of letting that roll for two or three years and getting, you know, 80 to 100 bucks a year out of people, you know, over three or four years, they're just, they were just like, no. And they, by doing that, unfortunately, which the battle royale genre is in danger of doing sometimes. So many games come out for a particular genre. People are like, oh, and then you split up the player base too much between all these different games. And no one game has a big enough dedicated player base to financially hold the interest of the game to keep it afloat. So they do have to be careful. And this happens across all genres. I'm just using the music genre as like the biggest example in my mind what comes to of a genre that was completely buried after Activision and EA Studios did what they did by flooding the market with fucking music games over and over and over and over again. Within five years, they killed it. I mean, like today, bro, I could take a picture on Instagram right now and show you all the plastic guitars in my garage from all these games that I thought I would use eventually again or my kids would play with and now uh, they're just they're just places for the mice to take a nap at this point. I got you. I hear you. You know. So I'm just hoping Call of Duty itself learns its lesson, really takes this to heart and and really keeps these players interested and keeps them around because because it is good stuff. I wouldn't say it was good stuff if I didn't believe it was. So otherwise, we uh, we got to debut a new character on Mortal Kombat this week, Moldog. Well, let's hear about it. Yeah, man. I don't know if you heard of a character named Spawn. Spawn. Have you ever heard of Spawn? I, I saw it on the stream. That's do you remember a terrible? Do you remember a terrible movie from I want to say the early two thousands called Spawn? Yes, I do. And it starred Michael Jai White and uh, I want to say John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. He was the fat little violator in the game. In the mo- in the movie. Sorry, it was a movie. 
Was it? Is this game based on the movie, or is that just no, happenstance? Okay, that's happenstance. So the character of Spawn was created by a gentleman named named Todd McFarlane, who was the lead uh, comic book artist for Marvel Comics back in the mid to late nineties. He was best known for his ability to draw Spider-Man like nobody else. He was a fantastic, and he still is to this day, by the way, fantastic comic book artist. Now he owns a company called Image Comics. He co-owns it with a guy named Robert Kirkland, who uh, did a little comic book series called The Walking Dead. I don't know if you ever heard of that. <laughs> Just yeah, a little bit. Okay, so... His big name to fame is a character he created called Spawn. And Spawn is huge within the comic book community, and they just added Spawn to Mortal Kombat. Spawn is the final character in the Mortal Kombat uh, Fighter Pack 1 series. Uh, They have added thus far uh, the Terminator, the Joker... Uh, they added Sindel, who's a classic character, and Shang Tsung, who are ca- classic characters from older Mortal Kombat games, uh, and Nightwolf, and then they added Spawn last. So uh, Spawn came out on Tuesday. We were able to get our hands on him on the show and fight with him and against him for the night. We had a good time. I did put up a highlight reel on Ply and the Muldogs, a Facebook page, if anybody wants to check it out. It's about a four- or five-minute a highlight reel video of some of the cool moments that Spawn does while he's ripping off your face or tearing off your skin or shooting you with his 19 handguns that he has with all this and blowing a hole through you. Uh, Good times. Uh, Spawn does control actually pretty well. Uh, He's a little faster than I thought he would be. I thought he was going to be slower. Um... I'm sad to see that Mortal Kombat is done with their combat pack. I hope that they add another combat pack this year. Uh, they haven't really given any announcement whether or not they're going to. There's some other characters I would like to see in the game. Uh, but Mortal Kombat 11 has been awesome. It does unbelievably well. Every time I stream it, Muldog, the audience is like through the roof for this game. Like, And I suck at it. So <laughs> it's... It's fun to be able to get my ass kicked in Mortal Kombat and then let everyone else fight while I just talk. I'm pretty good at talking. So, uh, but Spawn itself, man, uh, they did a really good job. He looks like the character from the comic book. Uh, he also is voiced by, I don't know if you know a guy named, um, what's this guy's name? Did you ever see They Live with Roddy Roddy Piper? They live with Roddy Roddy they live. Piper. The name of the movie was They Live, and it was with Rowdy Roddy Piper, and it was about Roddy Roddy would wear these glasses, and he would see that everybody was really like these aliens who were... Uh, John Carpenter directed it, by the way. You know John Carpenter, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. So, if you've never seen They Live, you got to see it. It's so good. It's about how, like... It's essentially a message about how the media and everybody, like, they control you with propaganda. So when he puts on these special glasses, he looks up at the billboard and it says, buy, 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 consume, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, some of the people in the world are actually aliens. They are not human beings. And Keith David, 
was the other actor in the movie with Roddy Roddy Piper. Keith David was also in The Thing. Do you remember that movie? Yep. With Kurt Russell. He was opposite Kurt Russell in The Thing. Um, he was also in, I'm trying to find some other movies that he was in that you might know, so no, you can catch was, his face. Yeah, no. <clears throat> First of all, they live with, night. that was 1988 plot. Yeah, dude. That movie's awesome, dude. That was 19, when I talk about movies from 1988, you mock me, rightfully so, <laughs> but n- nonetheless. Yeah. No, he, uh, Keith David's awesome. He was also in. He was in a bunch of movies, man. Like he's been in a lot of sci- science fiction y kind of stuff too, but um He was in Halo, the video game Halo. He was opposite Master Chief. He was the arbiter. So for those video game fans out there who love Halo, he was a main character in that as well. But anyway, he um he is the voice of Spawn in Mortal Kombat eleven. Because he was the voice of Spawn, I believe. I have never seen it, but I believe he was the voice of Spawn in the um, animated uh, series, the animated movie. So he does a great job, dude. He's just that dude's got a memorable voice. So he um, he he's fun to listen to the banter that the lines that they had him record for Mortal Kombat. If you don't own the combat pack at this point. If you want to play Mortal Kombat 11, you can get Mortal Kombat 11 plus the combat pack now for maybe 30 or 40 bucks. Totally worth it if you like Mortal Kombat. This is the best Mortal Kombat to come out in a long time. Um, it's got legs. It looks beautiful. It's fun to play with your friends. The online system works pretty well. My audience loves it. They go apeshit over it. So <laughs> I have to play it at least once a week or they'll riot and uh, drag me down. And kill me. So I play it. But uh, Spawn was definitely a good time. They were excited for it. And it's getting uh, two, uh, two ply rock thumbs up, dude. Well, that's pretty high praise. I knew there was some... I was I was kind of flicking through here to check that. Because I knew I knew him from somewhere. Chronicles of Riddick. Keith yeah, David. Was, he was in Chronicles... That movie sucked. Yeah, I know. Remember we reviewed it at one oh. point. But it was it was there and it was uh, Delta Force. Yeah, he was in Delta Force. He was in dude. Delta Force. That was the. I, th- those were the two that I remember him from. But yeah, great actor. Yeah. Yeah. Great well, actor. Very b- good. Uh, very catchy voice. Kind of like a Morgan Freeman almost. Well, and we kind of talked about that before. How it's very interesting. A lot of these guys with with voices that would do voiceover work, whether it's the animated stuff in, like, you know, Pixar-type stuff, or a lot of these great voices are coming into video games. That's a thing. You know, it is a big market for some of these great voices, and I think that's pretty fascinating that 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 degree of crossover is occurring. And so you hear this guy as something, and you're like, where do I know that from? You know, uh, remember Lee Schreiber? I do not. He's on a show on Showtime. I, the, the name escapes me. I'm going to try to Google it real quick while we talk. Uh, Donovan, maybe? There's a show on Showtime about a private investigator, I think, who's like a total, you know, skunk. I want to say it's called Donovan. I'm looking it up now. It is Donovan. So there's Lee Schreiber. He, uh, you'll know his face when you see him. He, it's, like you had just, to your point with these actors 
and actresses, but with these special voices. Mm-hmm. Leave Schreiber like does so many documentaries. Like I finally, after watching certain documentaries, especially on HBO, I think he does the HBO Sports uh, documentaries. I'm like, damn, where's that voice from? Like I know that voice, and then I ended up picking up narrated by Leave Schreiber, and I'm like. This guy's in all these movies and all these TV shows, but he he like has such a commanding voice, like a Morgan, like a you know Morgan Freeman has such a commanding voice, uh, like we just we just talked about Keith David has a commanding voice. Uh, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. Oh, he does a great job. He narrates a ton of stuff. Yeah, his voice is like some of these guys I listen to. I'm like shit. These guys' voices are almost as magnetic as mine. How are they catching up to me? You know what I mean? Like, I have to sit down and listen. Like, are they listening to our podcast? Are they trying to emulate the way I talk? Like, I don't understand. Why am I, why am I not getting these gigs of well, doing these? You're, pro- you're probably <laughs> onto something because when you started talking, when you started talking about the numbers on some of these games, Mortal Kombat, Call of Duty, this, that, and the other, you know, my first instinct was, well, we're driving those numbers through the podcast, and that's how they're getting to these millions and millions. So I yeah, think, I, mean, I, I think that's natural. I totally, I totally agree. And you're coming along too, Muldog. You're starting to sound like a sexy beast too. Well, you know, I got a, got a little, little more, little more bass, little less treble. That's what I'm going well, for. I think this podcast is going to live in eternity, dude. Oh, speaking of eternity, oh my gosh, we are 24 hours away, Muldog. Pow, 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 pow. Segway. 24 <laughs> hours away. From Doom Eternal. This is the game that yours truly is. If you guys haven't watched the trailer for this yet, I don't know what you're doing. You got plenty of time. No arguing at this point. You guys are home more often than you're not for a little while. Go Google the Doom Eternal trailer and just know that your guy Ply is ready to go. So we're going to do a little bit of a preview here to end the podcast because we have we've hinted about it. We've talked about it. But we have not really dove into it. Now, Muldog, you watched me play Doom, and we talked about this before. So you kind of are a little bit familiar with the 2016 Doom because you've seen me play it on the show, correct? I am familiar with 2016 Doom. I am more familiar with your love of the Doom franchise and the uh, heights that your love actually goes to. It's uh, it's mind-boggling. It's it's I- moving. It's moving, Ply. It's it's nothing is more inspiring than ripping and tearing, bro. Let me tell you right now. That's why I am the Doom Ply. But we are less than 24 hours away. Now, do you remember how fast Doom was when you watched me play it? Very fast, if I okay, remember correctly. No, no problem. So now I want you to times that speed by two. Okay. okay. And we did talk about how I got to play the first 20 minutes of Doom Eternal on uh, the PAX East uh, show that we did. Yes. So I'm not going to go through the first 20 minutes and all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to tell you right now some of the things we know about Doom Eternal that I did not know about when I played the first 20 minutes. So I'm just going to give you guys a little bit more of a taste of what to expect when we play this Thursday night at midnight, which is also the beginning of Ply's spectacular birthday weekend, baby. So we're going to be celebrating the Ply Rock Nation birthday all weekend long. We're going to be having a good time. <clears throat> um, some of the things I found out, which I've I've stayed away from spoilers as best I can, 
because I already know this game is going to be right in my wheelhouse. I already know this game is going to be a masterpiece. I've already voted for this game to be game of the year and game of the century, and I haven't even played it yet, so I totally understand that. So this game is going to be twice, almost twice as fast as Doom Eternal, as Doom uh, 2016. It is, it is going to be more of an open-world game, which I explained to you in the beginning of this podcast kind of what an open world is. Right. Doom 2016 was more of a linear game, so it was one mission, go through the area, get to the end, kill the dude, keep going, you know? This game has a central hub that the Doom guy goes back to to upgrade his weapons, train, put the heads on a pike of the demons that he's killed, change his outfit, etc., it's called the, uh, I believe it's called the Doom Palace, and it's a giant castle that floats around the Earth. So he transports back to his Doom Palace, and he's able to upgrade his weapons. He's able to transport to different places on planet Earth and other places. I think you're also going to be going to Mars, and you're going to be going to Hell in this game, too. The soundtrack, I've heard a little bit of the soundtrack. It's even crazier and more heavy metal and insane than the Doom 2016 soundtrack, which I love so much. Um, it's a giant game. It's going to be about 20 hours long for the single-player campaign, and then there's going to be some really cool multiplayer stuff that we're going to be getting into. Um, this and Also, the most, I guess the most important thing to talk about when we talk about Doom Eternal is Doom 2016... The original Doom from back in the 90s, uh, the the Doom 3 reboot that we talked about that I played on the, you know, for the show. Those games were kind of light on lore and light on story. This was, you're a badass, they need to die, they're trying to take over uh, Earth, you kill them all, you win. Like, that was just like, you're total badass, you destroy everything in your path, and you win. That's what Doom used to be always about. But they're taking a gamble with this Doom to really inject story and inject lore into the Doom universe. So this game is going to kind of... The tone of it's going to change a little bit. Whereas the other Dooms were a little more tongue-in-cheek and really played up there uh, over the top. You know, you're just a total badass kind of thing. This Doom is really going to push... Doom guy has a backstory. Uh, the demons have a backstory. There's something else going on. Uh, surprises, twists, characters, people talk to you. You're still going to be a total badass, but it's not going to be as tongue-in-cheek as it was, I believe. Like, Doom 2016 almost didn't take itself too seriously because it was so ridiculous. This one, I think, is going to is trying to find the balance. And we're going to see how it works out. But they're trying to find the balance between almost a parody of itself, right? Like, so it's so crazy and so over the top, it's a parody of violent video games, of feeling like a total badass, etc. But they also want to inject, like, nah, man, there's, like, an actual story here, and we really, like, put together these characters, and this is a whole universe, and we want to expand upon it, etc., etc., so I'm excited to check it out, man. The specs on this game are just ripping, bro. Like, if you have the right PC for this game, this game will run at 1,000 frames per second. So that's insane. Uh, the human eye can't really see 1,000 frames per second, Moldog. Okay. The human eye has a hard time 
differentiating after 60 frames per second. Um, most human eyes at 60 frames per second think that's amazing. But once you get up to 144 or 240 frames per second, you're kind of really hitting the limit of where you can tell the difference. However, this game can rip at 1,000 frames per second, which most games are capped at like 250 frames per second. Just real quick for people who are thinking about playing it, it is available on the PlayStation 4 Pro. It is available on the Xbox One. The Xbox One is going to see the lowest resolution at 900p. Um, it cannot handle Doom Eternal at 1080p, the Xbox One S being the least uh, powerful out of all of them. The PlayStation is going to run at 1080p at uh, 60 frames per second. The PlayStation 4 Pro has said, has claimed, they're going to be able to run at 1440p, which is almost 4K. It's kind of like that in-between point. looks really good. Uh, that's going to be at 60 frames per second. The Xbox One X has claimed that they are going to be even closer to 4K at 1800p with an upscale to 4K, which is also what the PlayStation is going to do, the PlayStation Pro. Those are not true 4K, but those are, are close. It's hard to tell. The PC is where it really gets interesting. I'm going to be running this thing on an RTX 2060 6GB graphics card. I do have a uh, AMD Radeon... Um, excuse me, AD, AMD Ryzen 7 1800 or 2800 uh, CPU, which is 8 core. I'm, I'm hoping I'm able to run this game at uh, 1440p at 120 frames per second. That's my goal. Um, so we're going to see it runs on DirectX 11. Moldog's eyes are crossed right now, but this is information I got to get out to you guys. Well, I'm just waiting for you to start speaking English. That's why I'm being quiet here. <laughs> So I'm going to play this game first and foremost on the PC. I'm going to juice it up. I'm going to try to get all the resolution I can out of it for you guys, even though the show is streamed at 1080p. But I'm going to do my best to get uh, all the detail we can squeeze out of this baby. This thing's a monster. This thing is future-proofed and ready to go. Um, it's it's going to be badass. It's going to be gory. It's going to be violent. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm also going to be getting it on the PlayStation 4 Pro uh, sooner rather than later down the road. I do want to play the multiplayer with the Pioneers and with other streamers. So I do want to have a couple different options available. There is no cross-play planned right now for Doom Eternal that we know of. So that's the Doom Eternal preview. You're going to be able to catch it starting Thursday at midnight. I'm going to be playing it till uh, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning and then going to work because that's how much I love you guys. Saturday, for Plyrock's special birthday super-duper extra awesome spectacular, Saturday at 9 o'clock, we're going to be ripping Doom Eternal from 9 p.m. to about 2 in the morning. So come join me for the President Ply's birthday. And uh, it's going to be fun, dude. If Doom is good... Doom's going to take over the channel for a while, so we're going to be main in that game for a little while, sneaking in some control once in a while, sneaking in some Mortal Kombat to keep people from trying to kill me, but it's mostly going to be Doom. I'm ready, bro. I'm pumped. Well, I can't wait to be in the stream and check it out and learn some more, as I like to do. Yeah, man. 
So that's it. That's all I got for this episode, Moldog. Is there anything you would like to punch me in the face with before I go make a bologna sandwich? No, I can't punch you in the face, but let's just keep it simple. Bologna, American cheese, lettuce and mayo, white bread. I got to say, before we end, I am a fan of mayo, but Mrs. Ply bought me this mayonnaise mustard combo thing. And it's like a creamy mustard with real mayonnaise, and it's like made by Hellman's. And it's it's to die for, bro. Okay, I I can't see what's what could go wrong with that. I mean, I like uh, I actually will vary a little bit every now and then to a horseradish mayo. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hammer your mustard mayo. All right, I never had a horseradish mayo. I've had horseradish mustard. Oh, well, if, if I, you like horseradish mustard, you'll love horseradish mayo. Does it go good on bologna? Oh, it was made for bologna. <laughs> oh, I like it when good things are on the bologna. All right, guys, that's your man Ply Rock and Moldog. We're going to see you guys sooner rather than later because the world is changing ever so rapidly. And we have just so much to talk about because that's what we like to do. Chime in. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. At Ply Rock Gamer. At Ply and Moldog. You know where to find us. Drop a link. Let us know if you're crying over Tom Brady getting traded. Let us know if you got the box of tissues ready for Doom Eternal. We want to hear from you, the Pioneers. All right, man. Muldog, I'll see you next time, bro. Good night. Good night.